Welcome, bienvenue, to the Fantasy Tools Podcast. This is a show where fantasy tools discuss fantasy tools. I'm your host, Eric Rentz, and I'm joined by my co-host, Michael Peterson. Our mission is to discuss fantasy baseball and the tools that we're developing to help us manage our teams. Cue that intro music. What is the record for most games unbeaten to start a season? I have no idea. It's or I, what a win streak, what the longest win streak is. Longest win streak. I mean, it's a good, it's a good one to to start the season with. I mean, going on a ten game win streak like the Rays are knocking on the door of is is pretty. Incredible. They have eleven. Oh yeah, they're gonna. I'm just assuming they're gonna win today. Yeah, <laughs> it's pretty. Sorry, they won eleven. But they had eleven runs against the stupid A's. But it's it's pretty it's pretty incredible in the sense that like. And since there's 162 games in the season, you've just won a you know 16, you know you've just won one sixteenth of them in one go, in just one streak. I mean, statistically, it's wild. Yeah, that's crazy. It just seems like how, even if they go 500 the rest of the season, right? They're going to be 10 games above 500. That's, that's yeah. pretty darn good. Yeah, it's it's it's. I mean, it's it's pretty wild. I think you. <laughs> Obviously, the, this this is a clear demonstration that outcomes are correlated in the sense that bad baseball teams win a third of their games, good baseball teams win two thirds of their games. So, if you asked what is the what are the odds that something that happens two thirds of the time happens ten times in a row, that number is pretty small. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Thirteen. So just, just thirteen is the uh, is the magic number okay. that the Rays are looking right. for. That was the, what the Braves did in um, nineteen eighty two. But just in thinking, the Brewers in '87. I mean, just thinking statistically, that's that is not that that is uncommon. That's not it's statistically very unlikely that something like of this course, yeah. Winning your first series is like not surprising, and then even winning your second series doesn't seem like that crazy. Yeah, but winning three series in a row is pretty wild. Yeah, no, I think I mean, good for the Rays. Just cements them as like this this kind of feisty team, <laughs> just you know not 100 percent unexpected but like a little unexpected for them yeah play the red Sox. Yeah, uh, so uh good chance <laughs> love, <laughs> love that regression <laughs> back to the mean <laughs> uh yeah, right. not not a uh yeah there's a, there's a good chance that they could win another series here all right let's move to tgfbi here uh you are at 208 little wrong direction here mm-hmm. but still top half uh, I'm at 19, which I honestly thought the bottom would have dropped out by now. Well, I did the same way that mine. Uh, I lost 100, 100 spots. Exactly. You, you were able to lose just 10. Well, I have um, I have no stolen base threat and very low saves threat. And so at some point, at some point, I'm just going to start on an irreversible march downward. Unless I can get those. It means you have to be. It means you have to be really good at what you do. Yeah, and I mean, I'm in my production has been good. I actually like this pitching staff a lot. My pitching staff has just kind of just kind of worked. Um, and I everyone on everyone on the hitting side is just producing more or less at expected levels. Like it's it's always nice to look at your ownership and see like everybody I own, every hitter I own is ninety eight percent or above owned. They're <laughs> like, actually owned. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's a it's a it's a weird feeling after last year. 
Exactly. Um, my pitching, Matt. just for just for being slightly different, my pitching is significantly worse, which is which is wild. But that's partly I'm waiting for the Scherzer regression because he started the season bad, and Barrios, yeah, holy crap, has he sent yeah. me back? No, no, I think yeah, I mean, but that's the thing. It's like I feel lucky in the sense that pitching is more of a game of in TGFBI is more of a like don't blow up, <laughs> don't blow up, don't blow up, don't blow up, and that's it. Yeah. And even like the, uh, it really is like a, a 4.5 ERA is fine. Just as long as you have like mm-hmm. a couple of guys who are better than that. Like as long as you keep that floor pretty high on the results. But some <laughs> some blow ups are not helping me. Nope. Well, I think I think we're okay. I think I think for you, it's, it kind of feels like stay the course. I mean, are you worried about any categories in particular? I mean, uh, saves and stolen bases as well, I think. Everything else I, I can sure. figure out, but I don't really have a stolen base threat, and then the saves are really not not there. So I'm going to need to do some work on on getting some middle relievers who we're going to get get some opportunity to save. All right, Mando. Yeah, we skip we skipped the conversation last week. Uh, you want to you want to kick this one off? <laughs> I got a, I got a whole lot of nothing to say about this. I would, whole lot of nothing, but a whole lot of something. Right? I was like this. In in some ways, you think about Mando, and there's sort of like there's a parallel with James Bond of like a good episode for Mando is really like a one to three episode arc of I got a guy that I'm supposed to go get, mm-hmm. I have the mission, I get into some uh, hilarity ensues, I get the guy, and I turn them in. Right? That's mm-hmm. that's sort of what a good episode of Mando was in seasons one and two, or or two episode arc this sort of hit the beats but in a way that was mm-hmm. like like wh- what the fuck are we doing here guys this is this is crazy um there i think i mean they, they had they had an end point right it felt like an art it felt like an episode where they started major spoilers obviously it started with an episode where they feel like they had an end point where you need to get bo-katan to show that she's got the dark saber to the other mandalorian she has to get the dark saber and it's like she probably should have just had the dark saber, but they need to have a moment for her to get the dark saber, and so this was it, right? And so, but that, but all of that was packed into the last minute of the episode, <laughs> you know. Effectively, there was a nice, it was a nice choreographed fight scene. Not knocking that, I actually enjoyed the fight scene. They've really leaned hard on the jetpacks. <laughs> There's a lot of jetpack action with the Mandalorians these days. Oh, but uh, can you not remember bounty playing bounty hunter with Django? And <laughs> no, of course, he used the jetpack a lot. <laughs> I know. I'm I'm saying it's perfectly logical. I'm just saying that they finally unlocked it. But okay, fine. We have to say it. Those cameos. We had <laughs> we had Jack Black, and then a moment Who's your of like, favorite? is that Lizzo? That is Lizzo. And then a moment of like, who's this old guy? Oh my god! <laughs> oh, it's Doc. But <laughs> actually, quite frankly, that was the one where I got. Immediately, I was like, "No, Doc Brown, what? I was, what are you doing here?" I was slower and slower. I I saw Jack Black like wide angle. I was like, "It's Jack Black. This is ridiculous." And then it was like zoomed in. I was like, "Lizzo." And then this, finally, Christopher Lloyd. Like, okay. To be clear, one cameo per episode is acceptable. Three cameos per episode, far too, too much. Many. Far it too was. Many. I was trying to get my head around the two of them and it felt like okay this is so crazy yeah we're gonna have a we're gonna have a like slightly more crazy silly episode and that that seems almost i'm trying to stay open that seems fine to me fine jack black and lizzo are married leading a country 
country, planet, like yeah. wild. And it's like, okay, I can get my head around that. But as soon as Doc Brown showed up, it's like, yeah. no, too much. And also that he was like, with his little separatist speech, which I think was lampooned other places, but also was sort of weird. I mean, I thought the fact that <laughs> I was immediately like, there's going to be a scene where Doc Brown, Jack Black, and Lizzo speak to each other, and it's going to be painful. And it was. <laughs> Seeing battle droids again is sort of, is, is sort of interesting. I mean, I, I like that Din Djarin is anti-battle <laughs> droid, especially. Let's let's get into let's get into this. What are we going to talk about today? During the preseason, we set hypothetical lineups for each team, and the reason that we did this is because we wanted to have some independent way to predict plate appearances. It's very it's if you know the lineup order for guys, you get a pretty good handle on how many plate appearances they're going to get over the whole season. Modulo injuries, modulo you know <laughs> trips to the minors, etc. But you, you the trend works generally quite well. Uh, I want to just emphasize that stats are not converged. We're, you know, 10 games into the season here, uh, and there's going to be more on that in a couple weeks. But we can take a look at these teams and just kind of see where things are at. And I have some open questions. This is a data product I want to kind of polish a little bit and just want to kick that around a little bit. But first, let's okay. let's talk about some results here. How about? Yeah, let's see. Do you remember? I mean, how well do you remember the the guesses that we had for each team? <laughs> Uh, not really. I remember mostly the players and then some of the talking points for each of the teams. Like, I know that Arizona was sort of up in the air. And, and Houston was such a problem because we had some injuries that immediately came into effect. Yep. You want to you talk about the ones that we did well or that we did badly first? This year, where did we do well? All right. I've got a list of about eight teams here that I'm going to argue we more or less nailed. And that okay. goes in order Cleveland... The Mets, the Red Sox, the Angels, the Rangers, the Phillies, the Pirates, and Arizona. Pirates, that's good. That team was a cluster, but it seemed pretty clear what... Yeah, so so our, our predicted lineup, which is going to have to change, <laughs> our predicted lineup, which was doing pretty well, was O'Neill Cruz, Brian Reynolds, Andrew McCutcheon, Carlos Santana, Jack Suwinski, Rodolfo Castro, Cabrian Hayes, Cal Mitchell, and then Austin Hedges. And on average... Four of those guys are in that spot in any game. Four point one two, so a little more oh. than four of those guys are in that lineup spot. Do we that switch out G Man Choi? We switch out G Man Choi for Jack Sawinski right preseason, I guess. We did, which which is which has proved to be you know mostly decent. So I, I actually so I have two metrics here. The first one is the guy the number of guys that were in exactly the spot that we predicted meaning exact lineup spot, and then the number of guys that are within one of where we predicted. Just because, you know, lineups change <laughs> all the time. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I just so le- left versus right-handed pitching. You're going to have a little bit of a little bit of wiggle. Yeah, exactly. And I, I don't think, I personally don't feel like we should be penalized if Brian Reynolds and Andrew McCutcheon switch positions for a game. <laughs> switch batting mm-hmm. order position. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just like, mm-hmm. okay, that's not worth it. Um, yeah, I think I was, a little, I was a little surprised by Pittsburgh too. Um, but looking at this team... Once you know who's going to be playing, it kind of feels like you know what order they should be in. Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. But the big question was, who's playing? <laughs> yeah, it, that was the question, Mark. Well, who's playing? Who's playing? Yeah. Yeah, and we actually we actually call that one right. I mean, there are teams where we had big question marks and we did not call them right, So, which we'll, we'll get to later. Um, I was actually wrong. So I told you yesterday that the Mets were our best prediction. Cleveland actually surpassed them. 
when I, when I folded nice. in the latest one, the latest lineup. Cleveland, most accurately predicted. This, to me, makes a great amount of sense. This lineup is just super clean. So we guessed Stephen Kwan, Ahmed Rosario, Jose Ramirez, Josh Bell, Josh Naylor, Andres Jimenez, Oscar Gonzalez, Mike Zunino, Miles Straw. That is... I mean, on average, we're getting eight of those guys within a spot, <laughs> right? <clears throat> nice, nice. That's pretty, that's a pretty incredible number. And six of them in that exact spot. Um, wow. Which is just which is just unheard of because seven, eight, and nine are always moving around. So the fact that we got six of them is like, wow, <laughs> nice. Yeah, Miles Straw can't decide if he wants to be number eight or number nine. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And the, again, those are the type of thing where like this metric is like, should that really count? <laughs> should that really count as a different lineup? No, no, no. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's hard. Literal versus fuzzy matching. Yeah, exactly. So I think these teams are fun because you can kind of regularly look. You can look at this and say, okay, we actually did pretty well preseason. So all of the guys on these teams, I would more or less trust our plate appearance rankings for them. I would trust them more than I trust other guys. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's the it's the biggest piece that we need to get out of this. On the teams where we had a, a good job of guessing the lineups, we probably had a good job of guessing the plate appearances. So let's yeah. see. Do you want to hit, tell me who who we didn't? All right, we we'll, didn't go, do well? we'll go. We'll go straight to the bottom, and then we'll uh, and then we'll kind of kick around a couple of key points in the middle. I think so. Teams that we do not understand at all. This will not surprise you. Detroit and Washington. <laughs> I yeah, it's not really that's that doesn't actually surprise me. If we had gotten that right, I would have been almost more surprised. On on average, we're getting no one in the correct position. Wow, <laughs> wow, that's that is actually surprising. That is surprising was, because there are some players on both those teams that felt like they were clearly, you know, X lineup uh, batting order position. Agreed, but but neither of them is doing what we expected to do. So we we thought Detroit would. Top four, maybe the top five, maybe interesting. Riley Green, Javier Baez, Austin Meadows, Spencer Torkelson, Miguel Cabrera. They've been leading off Badu a lot. Has been that's, a, that's, has, yeah, that's one that I think that I I changed on you. I mean, originally makes, said, made, or was that one that I had? I don't think that I put. Did I put Riley Green or did you put? I don't know. Continue. <laughs> no, you no. So in your in your original notes, which is in the other tab. Bios and Meadows were two and three, which they're not exactly doing this year. They're not doing this year. You said Riley, Torkelson, Badu are fighting for leadoff, which... So so there we go. We were correct. and I was correct in that assertion, but it's... That was... The, I was Actually, that was one of the things that I remember being really hard was like, who's going to... Number one is actually really tough because whoever didn't get number one was going to be way down in the order. So Riley, where's Riley Green in the order? See, is, is he left out? So... Riley Green is batting third when he's in. I'm second shocked. or third when he's in, which is so they they've been doing weird things with him. Where's Torkelson? All right, Torkelson's been Torkelson's cleanup. Cleanup. Oh, so he's fifth. the only one that we're getting right is Torkelson. He's the one. He's the one that we have in the correct position, and that's more or less it. Yeah, exactly. I think I, the thing about Detroit. I mean, this is one. This is a dangerous one because this is where I start to get tempted. Because there are guys batting leadoff, and leadoff is is valuable almost no matter who it is. And they've got Matan and Veerling have been batting leadoff for them, and it's like or Matten. I don't I don't even know who is that guy. <laughs> we we did have him in the lineup, but it's like then they've got Badu also. 
I don't know what to make of this team, but I want you would want, want the to... number one hitter if he was always the number one hitter, like in the same way that Whit Merrifield was sure. like number two on a crappy Kansas City team. But it's like, yeah, we know what he is, and he's going to get a lot of plate appearances, and we you grab him. But if there's, you don't want to have the somewhat temporary leadoff hitter on a bad team. So if I, Badu ends up getting number one and like sticking with it, then then he's ownable. If it, but while he's still in the jumping around, he's not. I agree with that. Anything interesting and from Washington? Washington? Oh, what do you, what do you what, what do we want to say about Washington? There's just nothing. There's nothing interesting there. We missed we missed more or less where anyone's going to bat. I hoped Lane Thomas would lead off. He kind of leads off. They're also leading off Luis Garcia. They're leading off Alex Call. I mean, they're just they're kind of running all over the place. The person they're not leading off is Victor Robles. <laughs> I so that was a good call by me. I think you had originally put him in as like I no, did. They, they hate Victor Robles. I did. I did. I thought I thought he would be up there and wow, wow, do they hate Victor Robles. Um Where's yeah. Ruiz? Do you know where Ruiz, Ruiz is? Ruiz is batting, batting. six. Six. Yes, that's not I yeah, that's part five, of why six. he's actually sort somewhat ownable as a catcher. Yeah, because he's not batting ninth. <laughs> As a catcher. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's all, any any catcher that bats earlier than eighth is uh, has extra value. Yeah, exactly. And so, actually, that's the thing we should highlight in this. Let's let's put a pin in that for products. Um, okay, five other just brief hit points. Maybe not five. We'll see how many we get to here. Just a couple of things here. Uh, Baltimore, we are not getting guys in the right spot. But we're getting we're we're doing really well getting guys within one, which means mm-hmm. that our lineup was semi accurate, and uh, this is the same thing that's true actually for the Padres too. It's clear. So the big difference was that we messed up, and it's Santander and then Mountcastle instead of Mountcastle and Santander was our original guess or Santander. Okay, and then where's Gunner? Um, and 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 Gunner is is up there is is actually batting higher up in the order than we than we thought he was going to be. Mm-hmm. So he's been he's he's really been in that five spot spot, which is actually makes a big difference for him. <laughs> spot. It does. Second. It does. It does. Betting five versus six is is a big deal. Um, it's the Austin Hayes. It, Austin Hayes is mired in that six seven eight role. Yeah, that's which. right. But they, I mean, but they they have a they have a pretty regular lineup. So if I look at their lineup, their their most recent lineup: Mullins, Rutschman, Santander, Mountcastle, Gunner. Austin Hayes. I don't love Adam Frazier batting way down there. It's like how the mighty have fallen, right? Austin Hayes batting leadoff for the Pirates was great. <laughs> or sorry, Adam Frazier. Adam Frazier, yeah. Batting leadoff for the Pirates was great. You stick him in a better lineup, but at seventh, and he's not good. He's not ownable. <laughs> yeah, no, he's he, well, DJFBI, I, I own him, so thank you so much there, Mike. But yes, yeah, so okay, exactly. Stan, I think we we have to decide what our default is. Is our default TGFBI? That we no, no, it can't be. Everybody is like, oh no, own him. It's like, excuse yeah. me. I was told by these fantasy tools guys that in my ten league ten team mix that I would be able to own Adam Frazier. But I will say that we did actually call correctly that Adam Frazier would be would be the one that get buried in that lineup. It was clear. It was it was clear that they, he was going to get buried in that lineup. I mean, almost more sense would be for Oddly to be up there for be down there and. Frazier to be number two or something like that maybe I mean you could you could make an argument to slide everything down but you I mean they obviously want Henderson to be batting fifth for you know for for his development or, or something and there and it's kind of hard to get him much further up than that um okay Padres similar case bad we did not get guys in the right order 
but we got everybody close. <laughs> um, the thing that we messed up is there's basically no Nelson Cruz. <laughs> They're just not, we're just not seeing Nelson Cruz. Yeah, it's not that there's a Nelson Cruz size hole. It's that there's a Nelson Cruz size presence that we weren't expecting. <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah. What they, is, What is that when you're looking at a at, when you're looking off in space and it's like you know there's a big huge piece of gravity out there that I'm just seeing <laughs> and I just didn't realize that it was going to be there. Yeah, Nelson Cruz sort of sort of dark mattery. You know, can't see it. We can <laughs> feel the attraction. It's like <laughs> he's pulling us towards him. What's happening? Uh, but my other note is that they're, they're running a big cast. So I actually was interested preseason to see David Dahl ended up in San Diego. Um, you know, relatively touted prospect way back in the day. Kind of got buried in the Texas lineup. He's seen a couple games here, but they then they've got all these other guys. They got David Dahl. They got Campusano, who I who I didn't know. They've got Rafnet Odur. I mean, they've got uh, Hassan Kim. Like all these guys that they're just rotating through. <laughs> they haven't it, figured out. Of, they haven't figured out their nine man yet, but I don't know if they're gonna. I don't know if they're gonna stabilize or what. They're also not doing a consistent leadoff. They're they're completely bouncing back and forth between Trent Grisham and Xander Bogarts. I Xander leading off is crazy to me. So here, I mean, here's here's a real lineup that they tried out. Right, they do Xander, then they do Soto, Machado, then Cruz, Cronenworth, Hassan Kim, Austin Nola, Trent Grissom down at eight, <laughs> and Jose Azokar. I mean. Grissom going from eight to one is like, <laughs> make up your mind. <laughs> I don't know if I should own this guy or not. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. That, but once they figure it out, man, that, that team is going to be a lot of really good players to own. Yeah, exactly. And that's, that's why I'm bringing it up because they're clearly cycling guys right now. So the question is, when, when were they going to stabilize and what happens when they stabilize? Who you want? It, I mean, it's, it's a little bit. It's a little bit of like a um, musical chairs type scenario. You know, you kind of have to own your guy, but at some point, the music's going to stop. <laughs> and well, but there, the reason, part of the reason is that Tatis isn't there. So yep. it, it's the other uh, big dark matter piece that's in the lineup that you know is going to that you can forecast is going to be there. Yep. Yep. So and and maybe it'll be musical chairs all the way until Tatis comes back. Like who knows? But that. But we know that good teams, I, I, I don't know what the push, what's a function of what, but we know that good teams have stable batting orders. Yes. So if the Padres, which you expect to be a good team, is going to continue to be a good team, they're going to have to stabilize their batting order yep. at some point in time. Yep. Uh, last two teams, New York, again, um, we were not good on the Yankees. We were not good on getting guys in particular spots, but within one or so, Glaber Torres just not batting where we thought he was going to, and that's bad for mm-hmm. Glaber <laughs> more than mm-hmm. more than anything else. We thought he'd be we thought he'd be number three. He's batting six seven, you know. Um, and then the last one, Kansas City. I don't know that you should. I don't know that this matters for anything fantasy wise, but we I completely forgot about Fran Mill Reyes. <laughs> <laughs> the thing about Kansas City is that he wasn't team. owned. That's the reason why yeah. we forgot about him was yeah. he wasn't owned until the last second. And he's in Kansas exactly. City now? He's in Kansas City and we the other thing is that we had Michael A. Taylor who's not on Kansas City. <laughs> so it's like So there were there were a couple of things. Kansas City I mean, and this is not I don't blame us for this. This is Kansas City being so <laughs> so City, out there yeah. that they didn't have their yeah. lineup together before game one. I mean, really. And so so I don't but but is that fantasy relevant? I mean, how many guys on that Kansas City lineup are actually are actually can't fantasy relevant at this point? I mean, Perez, 
I guess. I mean, people love Bobby Wood Jr. and Vinny Pascontino, but they're not doing it yet. I mean, this far in the season, they're not doing it, I should say. Yeah, I mean, so what? what is the top, what is the top four? Uh, it's Witt, and then it's usually like Melendez, Salvador Perez, Pascontino. Okay. I mean, those four are going to be ownable, and I think that, unfortunately, but it's not like there's a surprise in there. Like, those were all guys that preseason you knew. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. The fact that Jackie Bradley Jr. is getting meaningful meaningful lineup spots for them is a little concerning to me. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Always a concern if you're leaning on his bat and not his defense. <laughs> yeah. Well, I do you think is it review session time? Sure, let's do it. Well, that about brings us to the review session. Vinny Pasquantine Vinny Pasquantino? Pasquantino. Pasquantino, yeah, let's Tino. let's let's go with that. So he he played in 72 games last year. He's played in all 10 games that the Royals had this year. So let me just give you his numbers right now and then we can go back. So he's got 10 games, 3 runs, 1 home run, 3 RBIs. Zero stolen bases, two fifty eight average. This is not exactly the guy that was sold to me as you're going to want to get him in the fifth round. He's <laughs> not the is... prince that was promised. <laughs> I mean, ten games, sure, small sample size. But looking at his twenty twenty two, it's not like it's not like he was lighting up the world there either. So he got let's say let's say near enough to three hundred PAs that you could basically double all these and it would be valid. He got twenty five runs, twenty six RBIs, ten home runs, one stolen base, two ninety five average. So. You were getting him on mm. on the promise that he was going to grow quite a lot, right? Because because twenty home runs isn't is is good, but it's not like super highly touted prospect. Level. No, not if you, if you're not matching that with twenty stolen bases. It's it's not about exactly. And and is he, is he going to steal more than five stolen bases this year? I mean, he's not he's not exactly a stolen base looking guy. Absolutely, no, and yeah, and this and this average. I mean, the other thing was his average was two ninety five average. If, he, if he's yeah. going to be three hundred hitter, that's going to be awesome. But he's two sixty, which you know almost expected. So he, I mean, he's clearly he's clearly a skilled hitter. First of all, he's a big dude. <laughs> he's a big dude. Yeah, um, big hunk of man. Yeah, exactly. He, he's gonna. I mean, he's a good hitter in the sense that he's got he he does not whiff a lot. Um, he 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 chases a little more than you'd like, but he draws walks. He's not Kaying a ton. He hits the ball pretty hard. I mean, I think I think there is something to develop there. And I think he is going to get better. But you had to but based on the fact that we're talking about him in podcast 7.07, you had to pay a lot to get him. You had to pay a lot to get him and you had to be pretty you had to be sure that he was going to be a top 10 first base you'd return top 10 first base value. Yeah. But this is yeah. this is exactly the reason why you had our two last guys came ahead of him, right? Right. Is that they were more sure things than than Vinny here? I'm looking. I'm looking at his home runs, and <laughs> for him being such a big guy, he puts a lot into his home runs. Oh, I I agree. Like what, I mean, you, you you see guys who can just just golf it over the fence, and he doesn't look like that. Like Jose Abreu is hitting the ball the hardest of any, like one of the hardest of anyone in baseball. And you see his swing, and you're like, oh, he's not really putting that much in there, right? But yeah. Vinny, it's like, oh, my word. It's like, <laughs> don't hurt yourself here, please. But I think, I mean, some of that I think, I do think, to, to give the positive side that isn't like just being mean to him, I think 
he is 25, right? He Oh, he's got tons of room to grow. I mean, could he be he should be a per, perennial keeper in most leagues. I do not when, love him I don't developing. Know. I do not de- love him developing on the Royals, but you know, 3 4 years from now, I think 3 4 years from now it, it's hard to see how he isn't if he's not a guy hitting 35 home runs a year, something has gone wrong, I think. I agree. Yeah, I, yeah, exactly. But I don't but I don't see him I'm not 100% sure that I see him getting more than 20 home runs this year. And you know, part of that is this barrel percent. 27% barrel percent. Yeah. Like that's the that's the difference between him and and like Abreu is like Abreu barrels it up and this guy is not. He's yeah. that hit, his hitting eye still quite isn't quite there. I don't know. I like this player and I was I was liking him. I guess the big thing is that we keep on talking about is we like Vinny. We don't really like him at the place where you had to draft him or the value that you need to value him at. Yes. Both both of those things are true. I think, yeah, I mean, and you, you of all people, Mr. Big Sophomore Slump, I mean, is this, is he just heading for a gigantic sophomore slump this year? I mean. <laughs> yeah, of course. If he's going to play the whole season, <laughs> of course he is. It's I The reason why I, I feel the sophomore slump was, especially for baseball is that it's such a long season that yeah. there is training that you have to do for your body that you don't have the recovery to actually get to. So when you, when you've had your first big year, you don't usually have a full year. Vinny didn't play a full year last year. You come yeah. in half, half the way through the season, you play way more games than you would have at a much higher level than you would at a triple a or double a or whatever. And then you have the winter and then you have full spring training and then you start the season, you're going to get tired mid-year, yeah. start of the year, whatever it ends up being. You don't have the same cycle as you did last year. So of co- I feel like regression is to be expected in all those players. I'm just going to say and it could be so even that's worse why this it year. Is. It could be even worse this year because he did play for Italy in the World Baseball Classic. Exa- yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mean, he looked good in that jersey. People played, people played even more games. Like these young guys were leaned on, you know, in like a – in like a big way in the world baseball classic and that's it's not it's not so many games but it's not no games no it's yeah exactly he uh so he, he, only, he was, only homers he only homer he only pulls he was pick number 89 it's way too early that's way too i thought you were talking about it in the draft and i was like wow that's good for him but no he's pick number 89 uh, yeah it's way too early yeah all right well I, I don't know if there's really that much more to say about him who are we doing next week well, it's gonna be Reese Hoskins, uh, <laughs> but we're gonna we're gonna go ahead and call an audible and say, "Sorry, Reese Hoskins, we'll review you some other time." <laughs> uh, we're gonna do CJ Crone. Yeah, best wishes for getting healthy. Yeah, CJ Crone. Okay, fun. Time for a little housekeeping. Be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes and follow us on Twitter, Fantasy Tools, Mind the Z. Thank you, Mild Manor, for letting us use your tunes. Be sure to follow them on SoundCloud and Facebook. Feel free to email us with questions or comments. Send us messages at fantasy.tools at gmail.com. Again, mind the sea. All I've got left for you is worst of luck to you, buddy. Worst of luck to you, too. Yeah.